Pray with me, church family. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus. We're grateful that the stone is rolled away, that we are forgiven, that our debt's been paid. We're grateful that you love us, God, in spite of who we are. You are already here, Holy Spirit. You do not need our welcome, but corporately we just say we want you here. Continue moving as we worship through the proclamation of your word. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, church family. Worship team, you sound so good this morning. Sound so good. Yes, sir. Well, we've been in this series called Love Is. Last week I took a, a little opportunity to get disconnected with my family. We went and did some camping up in the mountains. And uh, so I'm glad to be back with you. I want to welcome those of you who are watching online. Um, We've got two more weeks left in this series, and uh, we've got a sign out there on the wall. I don't know if you guys, if you saw that. Um, the baby did, so that's good. The baby saw it. She said, amen, preacher. Um, we would love for you, as you're exiting, there's some markers on a little table. We would love for you just to write what love is to you. Um, we want to just see what God's been speaking to you about, what you've learned, or what, what he's speaking to you, what you, um, what you need. And so some people have already wrote out there, I think somebody wrote, love is Peyton Wills, which was pretty sweet, you know, it was pretty sweet of them to do that. So we'd just love for you to just share so we can just kind of mark that as, hey, this is a time in our, the life of our church where we just learned a lot about love. And today we're in week four, and I, I want to talk with you about this idea that love is not perfect yet. How many of you know love is not perfect? How many of you are part of a good relationship, but love can, you know, love can be messy sometimes. How many know that? We have a lot of perfect couples in here. That's awesome. Good. Well, it's not perfect. It's far from it, but there's a time coming when it will be perfect. And um, I want to share something with you that I share with our volunteers, and it's going to sound like this is not true, but it's a true story. So I need you to hang with me. There's no punchline coming at the end. It's just straight up awkward and real, Okay. When I was about 16, I went to apply for a job. How many of you remember where the Hammers is now? There used to be a grocery store called Wholesale Food Outlet. This was like after Piggly Wiggly. So I'm talking after. Not, if, you, if you know Piggly Wiggly, you've been around here a minute, but I'm talking about Wholesale Food Outlet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I went there to apply for a job, and I told Derek this, our church plant intern. I said, believe it or not, I can actually grow a beard, Derek, I just choose not to have one right now, but I had, a, I had a full-blown beard then, and I walk into that grocery store, and I'm just applying to be like a, a bag boy or just whatever. I just needed a little money, and uh, I had not even filled out the application yet. The main manager was there. His name was Dole. He lived from in Kentucky, and he said, uh, I said, I'm here to fill out an application. He looked at me and said, son, how old are you? And I said, well, I'm 16, sir. And he said, I need you to do something for me. This is honest to God truth. I'm talking two minutes in. He said, I want you to go through this cashier's line. He, I'll never forget this. She was a small, petite, long, blonde-headed girl. He said, I want you to go through her line there, and I want you to try to buy a pack of cigarettes. See if she IDs you. And I was like, okay. And he said, if you do it, I'll give you a 12-pack of Mountain Dew. I was like, all right, man. I prefer male yellow, but I'll take Mountain Dew. So literally, I go through the line, and you know, there's some places still like this, but you have to go up there, and you ask for the cigarettes, and then they have to go back and get them somewhere. And so I walk up, and I was like, hey, can I get a pack of, I can't remember what I said. And she goes and gets them, and Duel had given me a $5 bill. 
And uh, that's when you could get cigarettes for $5. These days they're like $15.99 or something like that. <laughs> she comes back and lays a pack of cigarettes down and rings it up. And I hand her, you know, she doesn't ID me or anything. I see Duel come walking out of the manager's office. Honest to God, truth. Hands me a 12 pack of Mountain Dew and says, Can you be back tomorrow afternoon? I was like, Sure, yeah, I will. I didn't even get to fill out the application, but I won a 12 pack of Mountain Dew. So it was great. So literally, I come back the next day, very next day, and, um, he says, he's got one of the bag boys in there with him. And he says, here's what I want you to do. Pay attention to details, church family, okay? <laughs> he said, I'm going to give you this guy's ID. I want you to go through the line. Here's a six-pack of beer. I want you to try to buy this beer. If she does ID you, I want you to give her this ID. And if you do it, I'll give you a 12-pack of Mountain Dew. <laughs> So, no joke, I go through the line with this six-pack of beer. This, it's a different lady ringing me up now, and no joke, the guy's ID that I have is literally standing right beside her bagging groceries. Are you following with me? <laughs> True story. And so I sit it up there. You know, I'm like feeling like I'm going to go to jail, even though the manager, you know, I'm just nervous. I can get nervous feeling, like telling the story now. I sit the six-pack of beer up there, and she looks at the beer and looks at me. She says, can I see your ID? And I said, well, Sure. So listen, I pull out and hand her the ID of the man that's standing right beside her, okay? She looks at the ID, looks at me, and we look nothing alike, by the way, okay? <laughs> nothing, nothing. She looks at the ID, looks at me, ID, I mean, says it'll be seven ninety nine. Swear to you, dual comes. I told our volunteers, you know how like, like there's some dollar store places, there's some places still have like, the, like the, the managers, they sit in this office with like tinted windows and they can see everything going on out there. I could see dual leaned up against the glass, watching what she did. And she's like, you know, told me the price or whatever. He came out, handed me a 12, Mac, 12 pack of Mountain Dew. I came back the next day, got an application and was hired. I didn't know it was going to be at the expense of two women getting fired, you know. But what I'm trying to say is this. We're going to see in some scripture today that, man, even like when we do what we're asked, when we do our best, that love is messy and it still costs us. Yeah, you know, I went in that day as a young 16-year-old and just trying to, looking back, would I do it again? Probably, man, because I like Mountain Dew now. No, I'm kidding. That's not true. I don't like Mountain Dew. But I didn't know it was going to cost these women their job, but I was doing what I was asked. I was doing what I, th what I thought was right, you know, as a 16-year-old to get a job. I don't necessarily feel like it was like a dirty thing, but, you know, I just kind of have a little bit more tension about it today, you know. But let's just be honest, those women were, you know, they made some really dumb mistakes. The one lady, listen, the dude was standing right beside her, Cody, and I gave him his ID. So, I mean, like, no excuses for that. But it's just, it was just messy. And what I want to what I think we're going to see today is that love, when we do what we think, when we do what we're told, when we try our best, it's just messy. It's not perfect. Yet, there's a time coming for those of us who follow Jesus, who are committed to him, when we will experience that perfection. And Paul tells us what that is and when that is um, in this scripture. So we've been going through 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We've got this week left and we've got next week. And next week, I don't know if you guys were here a couple months ago, we did something called The Box. It's a very intimate time of worship. That's how we're going to end this series. And I couldn't be more excited about it. But today we're in week four, part four, love is not perfect yet. And um, we're reading just verse 12 today. Can you believe it? One scripture. This is what Paul says. He says, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections.
reflections in a mirror. But then there's a time coming for those of us who are in Christ, for those of us who have Christ in us, we will see everything with perfect clarity. He says, all that I know now, and this is true for us, is partial and incomplete. But then, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. And so I want to break this up into two sections. I want to look at part A, and this is the part A of this scripture. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then, leave me here for a moment, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. In the Greek, what this literally means is we will see everything or we will see Jesus face to face. Now, obviously, Paul's not talking about the life on this earth. He's talking about when we go to the next. And I want to ask you a question. I got to thinking about this, and you've probably heard it asked before, but it just struck me to the core this week. How many of you have, you believe and hope and pray that you have loved ones who are in heaven right now? How many of you want to see them again? And I want to tell you, you will recognize them up there, by the way, okay? You will recognize them. How many of you hope to see them again? How many of you, you don't even have to read the Bible to have heard of this. How many of you have heard of the streets of gold and the pearly gates, right? Just like this, this awesome visionary stuff of what's happening up there. I too have loved ones. I too can't wait to, you know, skip down the streets of gold, man, drinking my Mountain Dew, apologizing to the lady that sold me beer. You know, I can't, hey, sorry about that, but you paid my car payment when I was 16. Those are great things. But what Paul's talking about here, look, he says, there's a time coming and it's at the end of this life that we're gonna see Jesus and he's talking about in heaven face to face. That's when we'll have perfect clarity. That's when what is partial will become fully complete. And so here's a question that I want to ask you. I do not want you to answer. No doubt if you have people and loved ones or loved ones in heaven, sure you want to see them again. You want to see the streets of gold. You want to see the pearly gates. You want to hear, well done, you know, that good and faithful servant. But would you still want to go to heaven if Jesus wasn't there? Because he is the perfection of love. That's what this whole thing is about. It's about our Savior, John. Everything that we're doing in this life on this earth, for those of us who are committed to him, it's about following Jesus. And when Paul says, notice he doesn't say, it'll be perfect clarity when we see Aunt Becky. Hey, let me tell you something. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm being very serious because maybe there's a mom here. There's a mom watching online and you know it. Moms who lost babies in the womb, you'll recognize them in heaven. So, I mean, it's going to be a very special time. But what I'm saying is, is would you still want to go if the love of Jesus, the presence of Jesus wasn't there? And if you would be like, I don't know, then I'm trying to shift your focus on to the perfecter of our love. He is what matters more than anything. And I'll be honest with you. I've never, I know some people say they've been to heaven and come back and written books about it. I've never been to heaven. It's hard for me to even imagine, you know, I think there's going to be, there's going to be things in heaven that like our mind can't even describe right now. I can't even articulate. There's going to be colors that we've never seen before. But what I believe at least makes sense in my, my most spiritual moment is that when we get to heaven, 
not based off of anything we've done, but because of his goodness, but because he chose us and loved us in spite of us, amen, anybody, amen. that, yeah, we'll be, you know, in all of the pearly gates and the streets of gold, and, you know, man, I hope I see my mom all up there, and I've got a cousin named Dwayne who was murdered when I was 11. I hope to see him up there, but I'll tell you what, those of us who love Jesus, when we see him face to face sitting at the right hand throne of the Father and angels are singing around him, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, you will not want to see anything else. Your eyes will be fixed and gazed upon him. Would you still want to go if Jesus wasn't there? Paul says this too. He says, look, let me hear. Like puzzling reflections in a mirror. How many of you looked into a mirror this morning? I don't lie. How many of you hung out there for about 10 or 15 minutes? Amen, brother. I feel you. Well, this is not the greatest picture, but how many of you like those mirrors when you go into like dressing rooms, like at Target and Marshalls and Walmart and all these other fancy places? And you know, it's not necessarily the mirrors. Let's talk about it's really the lighting. But how many of you just are like, man, how many of you ever walked out there feeling disgusted? Right? Okay. Right. Now, how many of you ever walked out there feeling like, I'm buying this today? You know, they got those like today, tomorrow, definitely not. Well, I've been in there, and uh, it's just that lighting, man. You know, sometimes like you feel banging, and sometimes like, you know, you feel like you're walking out like, for me, it's like, man, I need to get some cleanser. I got a lot of blackheads on my nose. This ain't working for me. When Paul says this, that we see like these things in per, there, it's imperfectly, we like a puzzling reflection in the mirror. For us, that doesn't really make sense because our mirrors are good today. But here's a picture of a, uh, a mirror in first century. These things would have been made, they could have been made out of silver, but the, the, the church at Corinth, we're reading the book of Corinthians, so it's the city of Corinth, they, were, they made some of the finest mirrors in antiquity. And a lot of times they would have been made out of bronze. Sometimes they'd have had a design on one side, you flip it over, and it had been really polished. And so this would have made sense when Paul says, hey, we look at things in the mirror and we don't see this, this we see this crazy reflection because at best, how many of you know this? I mean, you can just tell by looking at it. There's not a lot of clarity in that mirror. It doesn't even look like a mirror to us. So it would have made sense when he's telling them, hey, there's a coming a day where I know everything that we, and basically what he's even telling us now is we see some things and as great as we think we see them, there's not great clarity. I was reading uh, some just commentary by uh, a theologian named Charles Spurgeon. And he basically was just talking this idea that if we could see everything that God wanted for us and everything that we're capable of in him, we would be tormented by ambition. And if we could see the full glory of God and all his judgment and wrath that he could expand upon us, we would die in terror. And what I'm trying to tell you is this. There are some things that are just, they're, they're incomplete right now. Even on your best day when you feel like, man, I loved my family well. I loved my spouse well. I loved my partner well. It's incomplete. And that's not to knock what you're doing, but we just must understand that, hey, there's this, we're in this time of life right now. For those of us, I want to clarify again, that have Christ in us, that are committed to Christ, where things are, they're incomplete. 
But there's coming a day, there's coming a day where we won't be looking into a mirror like this and we won't be standing with such hard sliding. We'll see the Savior face to face and everything will make sense in every anguish, every disease, every person that died of cancer, every baby that died in the womb. It'll all make sense and you won't, listen, I can't, there again, I've never been to heaven, so let me clarify and say that. But I just believe this. Have you ever heard those people? And I think I may have said it too. Like, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Adam why he let Eve eat that apple. Or, you know, I'm going to ask God, you know, why did, you know, why did he do this? Or why did he do that? No, 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 I don't think you will. Because see, you're, you're doing it based off the mindset you have right now, which is incomplete. Part B of the verse says this. But then... So we're living in a now, which is not necessarily bad, but we must understand where we're at now. But then I will know everything. Who, who knows a know-it-all right now? Who's here with a no? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. We want to help your marriage, not hurt it. But then I will know everything completely. So listen, this is, there's, I'll tell you what else this tells me too. Is there a lot of, as I grow in spiritual maturity, as I grow in knowledge and wisdom, what I really learn is there's a lot that I don't know. And I've said this before, the closer I get to Jesus, what I realize is how far away I am from him. But there's coming a time, he says, I'll know everything completely. If that time is not yet, then what that means is this, there are some things I don't know, and I just want Encourage the person here who feels like you can't serve, you can't give, you can't share your faith because you don't know everything. You're in good hands. <laughs> and you're just like everybody else in here. Nobody in here knows everything. Some people know more things, but nobody knows everything. And what I also think that this brings up, this paints a picture of unity then. If none of us know everything, then maybe we should be a little bit more graceful to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Especially to those who are not in Jesus. There's a, there's a time coming, I will know everything. I do not know everything now. I've had to tell people that before and it was such a news flash to them. <laughs> it says, just as God now knows me completely, I want to make sure that I explain this. This is not meaning that there's coming a time where you will have every revelation of God. What I'm saying is you'll be in the presence of God. You will not be complete with his power and majesty. But everything will make sense. This life that we're living right now, it is incomplete. It is partial. But he says, I will know everything. And I would even suggest this that Paul's not talking about information. He's not talking about answers to his questions. He's talking about seeing Jesus face to face. Can you imagine? I can't. I can't imagine what it would be like to see that long, curly brown hair. I'm just kidding. I don't know. You know, but then we just see those, those paintings. Y'all were like, real? For real? <laughs> Listen, when you're in the spirit, Derek, you can say anything. And they're like, Really? But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. And I want to just emphasize this again. There are some things we don't know. 
There are some things we don't know about the Father. There are some things that we don't know about Jesus. Rather, we can't understand. We have God's word. And so I will tell you, if you want to know him, you should read that. And I would also say this, that there ought to just be some peace in knowing that, man, I don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. And I'm speaking first person there as well. I don't have it all figured out. I think sometimes in the, <clears throat> excuse me, I think sometimes in the church, the capital C church, there's this pressure put on certain individuals, people, to have everything figured out. Like, let me tell you, I'm not qualified to lead this church because I have all the answers. I'm not qualified to lead this church because I can understand every single thing happening in Revelation. That's not where my qualification comes from. Because really, can I tell you what I feel like? Paul said this once, the guy writing this, he said, man, I'm the chief sinner. I'm the worst of these. And I promise you, this is not a feel-good statement, Allison. I feel like that sometimes. I feel like, man, let me tell you, let me tell you what the enemy will do to me on, my, on, a, on a bad day, Joe. You can't get up there and talk to them. You can't get up there and speak to them. You can't get up there and preach what you're not living. How do you expect them to? But then I remember, come on, the one that's in me is greater than the voice in my ear, the voice in my head. And hey, sometimes, listen, we need to stop giving the devil credit because most of the time it's my own sinful nature talking myself down. So what I love about this church is that we are committed to meeting people that are incomplete. And I'm going to be really honest with you. The farther this church goes, there are so many more talented people around me than like me. And so when I say like I get to do this, Man, I mean that, Cody. Derek, I mean it. There are, I mean, there are other people that could, that could do this. I get to do it. It's a privilege that in my partial knowledge that I get to seek the Father, that I get to have spiritual influence over my people, which are God's people, this church. And so I think one of the things that allows me to lead this church with confidence, even in my being incomplete and partial knowledge, is that though I'm jacked up and screwed up, one, I know it. And two, I seek the Father for repentance so that I can stand before you and say, hey, this is how we get reconciled to the Father. This is because I'm doing it myself. Now, that being said, my mess up, my screw ups are not an excuse to live like hell and come up here reeking of alcohol one day and be like, I got a message for everybody <laughs> and expect y'all to forgive me, okay? I know that. <laughs> I am leading by example. Paul told, he even told the church at Corinth, he said, this is what he said, Amanda. He said, follow me as I follow Jesus. So I, I can confidently say, church, follow me as I follow Jesus, understanding that you're following Jesus as I follow him and I'm trying to lead the way. So here's what I would say as our worship team comes up and we begin to, to get into this again and just kind of go in on some, some worship. 
Here's our bottom line for today. This is a sermon and a sentence. I will love the best I can with all that I am. I will love the best I can with all that I am. Understanding that all that I am is broken. It does not have all the answers. It's messed up. It's in need of forgiveness. Sometimes it drops the ball. I will love the best I can with all that I am. And I think if we understand that even the, you know, the person sitting beside us who we, whom we love dearly, my wife, I love her with everything I have, but I need her to understand, and trust me, she does, I need, we all need everybody to understand that everything I have, everything I have is still incomplete and partial. And that's where grace and that's where patience, you know, that's how Paul starts this off. Hey, love is patient, it's kind, and man, it doesn't boast and it doesn't keep a record of wrong. And hey, slow down a little bit because we're all in this together and everything's incomplete. And this doesn't mean that you should lower your expectations of what the love is you should be receiving, but it ought to help you gain a little bit of perspective about really what's going on here. As we, as we gather as a church, and there are churches all over the city and community and nation and world, and some right now, some right now, they're meeting in some underground basement or home with a single light bulb, and there's no air conditioning, and there's no band, and they're risking their lives to read the gospel. And here we sit. All around the world, there are people gathering. Some that are risking their lives are doing it in secret. They're writing it on the back of comics and selling them in China. Every believer in a house church here at 403 Market on Main Street, on Fowler, and New York City, Manhattan, San Francisco, New Orleans, everywhere around the world, there's people gathering today. And here's what we all have in common. Man, we desperately all need Jesus. We're all broken. We're all in need of a Savior. And that's, listen, you may have an education. You may have got out of high school and worked. You may make six figures. You may be struggling to make ends meet. But it is the blood that was shed on the cross that unites us all. And that's why we've gathered today, because we need him. And so today, JB, Angel, Sean, Cody, Kristen, Brooklyn, I will love the best I can with all that I am. Not using it as an excuse to be a screw-up and make mistakes, but just saying, hey, I'm going to get it wrong sometimes, Aaron. When I do, I'm going to acknowledge it, and I'm going to apologize privately, and I'm going to do it publicly. I'm just going to love the best I can, Brittany, with all that I am. And here's the amazing thing, is because of our mess-ups, because we have all this, it doesn't mean that we have this debt to pay or that we owe anybody anything because that's all been taken care of on the cross. Me and Jesus, we're good, not because of what I do, but because of what he did. And because of what he did allows me to go out and do the things that I can do. And today, I will love the best I can with all that I am. Will you pray with me, Father? Jesus, God, help us to love people today the best that we can and in spite of ourselves and even in the pain and even in the sorrow and even in the lack of understanding. And God, help those of us who have been hurt by people we love to forgive them as you have forgiven us. This day, let us let those trespasses go. Hold them not against them, understanding that there's a time coming 
There's a time coming all wrongs will be made right, but until then we live in an imperfect world, but you are a perfect God who has made a way. You have paid our debt. You have loved us lavishly. You have poured out that on us, and we want to experience that, God. We want to experience it. We want to know it, and we want to share it. Will you stand and sing with us? Thanks for listening to today's message. We'd love to stay connected with you for the week. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at City Lights AC. Thanks again, and join us soon.